0: Hi everybody. This is Christian Thwaites at Brian Janikowski. It's Friday, August the sixteenth.
1: Um, I'm Emily taken verts and this is this week's market chat. Let's get started, Christian. So we had a very, very volatile week in markets this week. Um, you know, we've got we had some down days, we had some up days. What's going on here?
0: <laughs> you know, I, I you're right. We had a we had a one percent day uh, and. Every day this week, and a couple of two percent thrown in for good measure. So, uh, you know, the 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 movement has been quite a lot, and uh, it, it's really been a continuation of the trade. I think what happens is the market ignores it for a while. It kind of goes into suspended animation while some of the trade talks deteriorate, appear to get better, deteriorate, get to getter, but, but deteriorate again, and and I think what we had this week was. Well, um, it kicked off with uh, Argentina. Maybe we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, but then it was the postponement of about two thirds of the three hundred billion dollars of trade, which will be subject to a ten and then a twenty-five percent tariff. And this is the stuff which consumers are going to feel. The other two hundred, roughly, was input raw material prices. The number of trade codes is about one hundred and twenty pages long. If you want to go and check it out of the department and you know, trade trade office. Um, but those were sort of more uh, intermediary goods that showed up in finished products and all things being equal made U.S. companies less competitive on the world stage. This new lot is stuff that, you know, you and I buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that was the, the first perspo- the, the postponement gave the market a little bit of a fillip. Uh, we saw, you know, Apple and the Rokus and the Microns, you know, these kind of guys who are big uh, chip makers get, getting uh, getting uh, a bit of a bump. Um, but as we end the week, I mean, I think this trade on again, off again, not really anybody knowing how it's going to end is still hanging over the market.
1: There's a lot of recession talk this week with the, with the volatility of the market. Do you see a recession in the immediate horizon?
0: I, I don't. I emphatically don't. I mean, what I see is a slowdown. Um, anything to do with making stuff is in slowdown. With ISM manufacturing, industrial production, of course, trade is going in the wrong direction. That's a net negative for GDP growth. Uh, we've talked about housing, housing starts, housing sales, uh, autos. They're, they're all slowing down, but they're not stopping, which is what you need for a recession. And they're not going to decline, which is also what you need for a recession. And we're seeing no change on the unemployment and the claims market. Claims are very important. It's a weekly number. It's a good number. You know, if you're out of a job, you have every incentive to go claim something. uh, So the Thursday morning claims are really, really important. We're not seeing any uptick in that. And the consumer generally has been better. But we had UMichigan um, confidence indicated. It was down a bit, but not to the levels where people are going to stop buying. But I think everything's pointing towards... A slowing, a slowing, and a lowering of of growth, and this is why I think why the Fed's on caution and probably on red on on uh, Fed 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 funds rate cut watch.
1: I mean, to some extent, this slowdown that we've had this year was widely expected because of the benefits of the trade or the tax cuts rolling off. Could trade be um, a rhetoric? around trade be that kind of risk that kind of pushes us over oh, into? Sure.
0: Yeah, we're not in uh, you know all clear skies mm. and fair winds ahead by no means. I mean, mm. uh, we saw back in June, was it, where the Mexican trade tariffs were threatened and they came off in five days. If you had another few rounds like that, I mean, let's not beat about the bush. These are completely inane trade policies. Uh, uh, I mean, they're coming out of nowhere. With no grand strategic plan that anyone, any sane person, can figure out, so th- this can th- this could easily happen that, that that we have a you know a trade policy which finally f- flicks the switch and, and throws us into recession. But you know we, that's a kind of one of these known unknowns. You do, uh, sorry, unknown unknowns. You just don't know what's going to happen on that. But as uh, as we look at where we are now, it just seems to be pointing to a slowdown with the Fed coming to the rescue. Mm-hmm. in September so that's that's kind of okay
1: what if the what if the fed does nothing in september
0: oh wow then I think uh then i I, I think you'll see a sharp correction in the bond markets and the stock markets I mean mm-hmm. I think we have 25. 25- Six months ago, I would have guessed that they'd do one rate cut for the whole of twenty nineteen. Now it looks like it could be two and three. And I've seen some very sensible commentators—not you know—not ones which are prone to exaggeration—say there could be a fifty basis point, point cut in uh, in September. In other mm-hmm. words, they go they go for a full fifty, which is pretty rare. Um, so I think that that's kind of priced in. The Fed, ever since post the. Uh, the big financial recession, and certainly with Yellen and Bernanke, has tended to telegraph. And Powell's now doing it; tended to telegraph things ahead pretty well. So I, I think that they're they're speechifying. Plus the Fed presidents. Plus next week we've got the um, the Jackson Hole conference. They're all they're all sort of talking about the likelihood of lower rates. So that would be a big departure if they didn't do that.
1: That's right. When we do see a recession sometime in the future, of course, there have, if there's an in-breath, there needs to be an outbreath. So we will see one. Talk a little bit about, you wrote in the blog this week about the type of recession that you um, think that we might be seeing coming off of this. I mean, the type of the recession generally mirrors uh, the type of recovery, right? And talk a little bit more exactly about right. that. Exactly No, need.
0: exactly. We talked about this before. Look, slow recoveries, shallow recession, I think. You know, this recovery was not v-shaped in any way it took 6 7 years for unemployment to get back to its pre-recession uh, lows although it's gone lower since um, industrial production how housing is still 50% of what it was in 2007 so we've had yeah housing starts are running about 1100 sorry, 1.1 million annualized a year they were 2.2 million in 2007 8 now if that was overbuilding granted you know where are we now but so I, I think we've seen a very muted recovery. It's basically been two percent, and the tax cut that you referred to earlier pushed it up to three or four in the second quarter of last year, uh, but it's coming back down to that two, two and a half range. So I think slow recovery, nothing particularly glamorous, low slong grind to get back where we are. You know, ten, eleven years later, and I think any any recession we have will be fairly shallow um, and not one of these big you know, asset bubble burst that we had in 2000 and 2007.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's also been a lot a lot of talk this week about the inverted yield curve. And yeah. I'm wondering <laughs> if, you know, I'm sure our, our clients have questions about that, but I'm wondering if A, you can explain uh, what it is, yeah, and B, what is it supposed to signify and what do you think it means? Yeah,
0: I think it means, a, well, to take the first one, you know, what, what it is, it simply means that at the short end of the market whether it's for 3 month t bills or 2 year treasury notes they're yielding more than the 10 year treasury bond now there are 3 months 10 years 3 months 30 years 2s 10s 5s 10s and all these other kind of yield curves which come into play but the one that the one that sort of mattered this week was the 2 year treasury note and the and the 10 year treasury and and it inverted briefly that the, the 2 year treasury yielded more than the 10 year it's come back it's now below it again. Um, I mean, t- not to sort of wax lyrical about past days, but the the inverted yield curve was a very technical uh, sort of point of discussion with some bond traders and fixed income and treasury um, um, dealers, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It was a pretty arcane part of the world. Uh, now it's suddenly jumped into the mainstream. And we, you know, we, we just looked, I covered it in the blog. It's like, in two thousand seven and eight, when there was an inverted yield curve, that you know the, our bond guys were very aware of, um, it was a hundred basis point inversion, and there were ten, totally twenty uh, uh, mentions of it in the New York Times over the entire three months. Hmm. Last week, the, the same yield curve inverted for about five minutes. And there were eighty mentions in the New York Times. So somehow the mainstream has grabbed onto this and think that it's some great leading indicator of a recession. It isn't. It's it's at best a very early warning indicator. But an early warning indicator, which can be as can be, can be as early as two years ahead, is is next to useless in my mind. I mean that's just like. That's like someone at speaker's corner just shouting the the end is nigh. Well, it could be, it could be tomorrow, but it could be many, many years from now. So it's not it's not useful. Um, and also, we're only talking about nine recessions since since the Second World War, and it's been right in seven of them, and really early in three of them, and uh, and it's given false signals another two times. So you know, this isn't the sort of you know, numbers. You go to the banquet. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's out there, and I think also it is slightly different this time because the absolute level of rates is very low. You're talking about a ten year of one point five three percent as we speak, and a two year of about one point you know four eight. It's you know, back last time it happened, we were talking about five percent and you know four percent. So I think the, the absolute level of rates matters a little bit, and and finally, the the Fed. Never used to mention it. Now they've mentioned it, so they can do something about it. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's, I think it's lost whatever sort of prognostic uh, uh, capabilities it had.
1: Yeah, I mean, could this just the inverted yield curve just be the Fed is behind the market in terms of rate exactly, ex- and that's a very good point.
0: It depends whether the Fed is in a in a in a loosening or tightening situation. So uh, in 1999, I think, and certainly in. in some two thousand, um, sorry, two thousand and maybe two thousand and five, but at least one other. They were raising rates when this happened. Here they're reducing rates when it's happened. That puts mm-hmm. a different spin on it altogether.
1: Definitely. Um, in terms of, I want to just talk uh, very quickly about WeWork. Um, <laughs> they had, uh, they did some SEC filing pre-IPO, get to get ready for their IPO, and there was a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, a lot of interesting stuff around the relationship that the CEO has with the company. Um, a, you know, what were your takeaways? Um, and B, how how is this? Um, how does this demonstrate some of the companies that are out there and how they're operating yeah. in terms of governance?
0: Well, the governance is appalling. I mean, the governance of WeWork is a bit like Facebook and Snap, I and mean, you virtually have no say at all in the way those uh, companies are written. Now, there are other. Companies with A shares and non-voting shares, but these go an extra twist where you've kind of got, um, you know, an ability for a a founder to pick their their successors, even though they might be in minority shareholder positions. And with WeWork, you've got this, you know, very blatant intercompany transactions between the founder and the corporation. Uh, I mean, they're disclosed, so they're not, you know, there's. I mean, at least there. They're brazen about it, but I mean, I I just can't imagine. I mean, this kind of thing happened in, you know, in 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 stock markets in third world countries twenty years ago, where where you know founders and the, and the public entities were dealing with each other and, mm-hmm. and giving each other special deals. So the governance totally sucks. But, uh, and uh, it was interesting that SoftBank turned down some of their equity offering a few months ago. So if I was a putative equity shareholder in. In, uh, in WeWork, I'd I'd follow their line and stay stay well away from it. It's uh you know it's a strange company with the way it's got long term leases on the properties which it subleases and then short term leases on the leases which it offers to its leaseholders. There's a total mismatch there in, in in liabilities. So I I um I don't know what's going to happen to it, but I think it's a very bad investment.
1: <laughs> well, is this the way that we're going? I mean, there there could be an argument. Saying that that corporations, American corporations, have really abandoned in the past, you know, maybe thirty years, their, their workers. Is this now kind of American corporations giving less power to investors as well now?
0: Yeah, I think it is. It's some. I mean, uh, you, you know, they they never used to. The S and P has tightened up a little bit on it. They've stopped companies like Snap getting into the S and P five hundred. I hope they stick to that. But yeah, it is a little bit of uh, you know. Sort of best practice corporate governance and and sticking two fingers at it and saying you know we're going to do it this way and if you've got enough demand for our shares you know we don't care and I I get that too I mean you should really go in with your eyes wide open you know as a shareholder on this you have absolutely no say you're just along there for the ride so um, so you know it'll never be uh, it'll never be anything which you can have a you know a, a say in and I don't think it's good good governors. I don't think it's good for shareholders long term. But hey, mm-hmm. you know, if they get away with it, more power to them. Well, they're not more power to them, but, but uh, not something I want to get involved in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Christian. And thanks to you guys for listening. Have a good week.
0: Thank you very much, everybody. And here's a disclosure. Please note the discussion of our investment investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investment investment strategy, Davis Commentary. Subject so i change that notice. We kind of short type of investment discussed in this commentary will have for many other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will present the best or an attractive risk adjusted investment in the future. This is for general informational purposes. Only references to individual securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The security is mentioned in this commentary only several of the successful, unsuccessful investments by us do not represent all the securities we have purchased or so the recommended. Although we deem reliable the sources of the statistical and information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data. Past performance have no indication of future results.